welcome to another episode of What Do You Know About Sports? Gary Jeffries to my left, Lance Roberts to my right. And uh, this is our fourth show as we continue to uh, do these every week. Uh, this is December the 12th, 2023. Just to uh, give you uh, an idea of what our uh, time situation is here. Just, to, just in case one of these topics doesn't age very well, we just want you to know that it's December the 12th. Uh, 2023 today and uh fellas we're just going to change up our uh, our format a little bit here in the past we've gone uh, uh three topics uh today we're going to go six and and keep the uh topics a little bit shorter in the past and and hopefully that works for everybody but uh how, how's everybody doing how was your week guys that was doing good. Great. Yeah. yep doing great Rand. all right well we'll we'll, uh, we'll start off here and uh, uh gary you wanted to uh uh, bring this uh, topic up, um, and you were wondering about the Leafs' uh, defense, and you mentioned this uh, in a show a couple of weeks ago uh, about your concerns, and uh, you were wondering, should the Leafs trade one of their big four, their top four forwards, Matthews, Nylander, uh, Marner, or Tavares, for uh, a blue-chip defenseman? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I'd, yeah, my, my answer is is definitely yes. I, I, I think that... Uh... I think they need to do that. I, um, you know, I, they, I think their forward group uh, is strong and, and, and probably as strong as, as, as just about anybody. Um, but, but the back end certainly isn't. Um, they've been getting by. Uh, I, I think in the last six games, they've got points. Uh, and uh, you know, brought a couple of three kids up from, uh, from the Marlies, and, and, and they've done a good job. Um, but I, I think, you know, to, to go deep into the playoffs, um, I don't think you can go into the playoffs with the group they have right now. They, you know, Lilligren and, and Giordano are, are hurt um, and, uh, and, and will come back. But I, I still don't think that that decor is enough uh, regardless. Um, and uh, so I, I, I would trade one of those four kids. I, I They're not going to trade Matthews. Um, I, they're not going to trade Tavares. So I, I think it comes down to, to, to really to, to Nylander and Marner. <clears throat> um, and I, I just have a bias there. I, I've been a Marner fan since he played in London. Um, I, I wouldn't want to give the kid up. Um, you know, Nylander, uh, five years ago when uh, when he was a, a free agent, I, I thought that that's when they should have got rid of him uh, and, and traded him and, and, and bolstered that defense back then. Um, and, and so, you know, we went through – uh, five years of Nylander and 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 up and down and then he'd play well for two or three games and then he'd disappear for a week. Um, the, the, the Nylander we're getting right now is the best version uh, and, and arguably uh, he, he's been the best player on the team thus far. So, um, you know, so I, as I say, I, I think it comes down to one of those two kids. Um, and I, you know, as I said, I'm a Marner fan, so I'd, I'd, I'd uh, I trade uh, Willie. Um, I, I think Tanev is, is is the guy that, uh, that they're hoping to land. He, he's the one that I certainly heard thrown around the most uh, in Calgary. You know, he got hurt last night, um, so I don't know how serious that is. Um, but uh, I, I've I've heard deals with uh, with Calgary that would include Tanev and and Hannafin and, and Lindholm, the the three the three kids that are free agents over there. Um, and possibly a Nylander, Brody, and some picks. 
um, as a possibility. I, I, uh, I think I'd make that one. Uh, I'd make that one myself. But uh, um, anyhow, in, in answer to, to that question, I, I, I think that uh, they're, they're going to have to move somebody to get better in the back end. I think that'd be a tough thing right now to trade one of those four because I just, I think the hardest part they're having with that is that that's quite a lot of chemistry that you're going to have to dig into. I mean, there's lots of things we don't know about how that locker room works and how, you know, their team works together. And those four are pretty well their pillars in that t- in that dressing room and on that team. And uh, to to trade one of them right now, it would be, uh, I think it would be something that could, you know, unless, it, you know, for a, a strong defenseman would work, but, it have to be a pretty good deal to take one of those four out of that lineup because they work. They've been together a long time, and that that's the core that they want to win with. The win, the, the win, the cup. Those four want to win that cup together. Yeah, and I think breaking that up, I don't, I don't know how that would work dynamically for the Leafs. Yeah, my, my my only point there would be they've been together now for six or seven years, and they haven't won. And I don't see anything different right now. Um, and uh, you know, now is when they're going to have to do it. Uh, they can't wait. I, I don't believe, and, and uh, so I, I, I just think that uh, something has to happen. They, they can't go forward with the same group, uh, you know, doing the same thing and expect a different result. Is, you know, is a, an example of what? Um, uh, not very smart. I, I don't think so. Um, anyhow, that's my view. What do you, what do you think, Brad? Well, I agree with you. I, I think it, it, <clears throat> Nylander, I mean. Right now, as we speak right now here in mid-December and the way he's been playing, Nylander is, is going to be your best return on investment given how he's playing right now. But I'm with Lance. I, I, I still think that come playoff time, I think those four are, could potentially carry the, the team further than obviously what they have. But, you know, they're all sort of getting into a certain age now where they might be uh, the, the perfect point in their careers to, you know, help this team through a long playoff run. And I'm just not really sure, to be honest, uh, you know, if there is a, I mean, what do you need in return? You obviously w- would love to have a, a Chara or a, a Scott Stevens or a Larry Robinson or a Pronger. Um, you know, where are you going to get somebody like that at this point too? Uh, I, I, I'd like the chemistry. Um, I, and, you know, on the, on the back end now, I like Morgan Riley. I said a couple weeks ago, I, I like TJ Brody. Um, I, I have, tend to agree with Lance on this one. Okay, I just don't think they're good enough back there. Well, I think yeah, I agree. Their defense, something has to get somebody back there stronger than what they have in their in their core four. I think the biggest thing is that what they have to give up to get that right now. I don't know. Teams aren't going to give them any favors for that. I guarantee you that. Yeah. All right. Number two, a fourteen-year-old played in the Western Hockey League this past week. He made his debut. When he was still 14, his name is Jake, uh, Jackson Jacobson. He has since turned 15, but he was 14 last week when he made his debut. He scored two goals in his debut with the Brandon Wheat Kings. Question is, is 14 years old too young to be playing in the Canadian Hockey League? And uh, Lance, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we've got lots of years in the in the past that uh, we've had that type of a situation. It wasn't made that big of a deal, but it was you know, the exception to the exceptional player rule or what they used to call it. But John Tavares came up as a 14-year-old and played for the OPGHL before going into the into the OHL. Uh, some have success like John did, but then there's Glenn Goodall, who uh, was playing in Seattle 
when I was even still there, he came up as a 14-year-old, spent six years in the Western Hockey League, and never saw NHL ice after that. And he was drafted by Detroit Red Wings. So, you know, and he played in Adirondack, and then he ended up going to Europe and that type of thing. I mean, the, the way the league has set the rules now in regards to blindside hits, to hitting from behind, and if you have, you know, more than three fights now, you're suspended for two games in the OHL and the WHL. Quebec Major Junior's taking it right out completely, fighting, and they don't allow you to fight at all. You know, it, it gives players at that age and that that talent, like you look at Connor Bedard, and size that they can they can maybe they can maybe you know be able to play at that level and play safely, and be you know uh, they're not going to be taken out or hurt in that regard, like we had uh, uh, in in some situations, some pretty serious injuries for younger players. But the game is changing, and the players are more. You know, and in in, I just watched two unbelievable hockey games this past uh, Friday, Saturday between Kitchener and uh, and Brantford, and I was in the in the booth for the video. And the hockey is changing dramatically in the sense of skill, skating, the physical play is there in certain situations, and it's you know they do hit still, they do give, and the body checks are probably harder because the speed they're going at. But those two games this weekend. You can't find better hockey. It was it was just pure up and down. They played hard. Brantford uh, um, was up in the first game 5-1. Kitchener came back 1-6-5. The game the next night, it was 4-1 for Kitchener. They came back and won 5-4. In fact, in Brantford, the place went nuts. It was exciting stuff. So I think, I think that the fact of a 14-year-old, if he can have the ability to play at that level, has the skill like they have a they have other ones that are coming into the Western Hockey League, one out of the UConn that's playing in I believe Medicine Hat, and they're able to play at that level. I think they have a chance. Hmm. I just think it's I think it's a little too young to my, myself. I, and I mean you know I've got a kid right now who's fifteen. Um, I just can't imagine again the the, the 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 superb talent. And I don't honestly know if this Jackson Jacobson is a superb talent. I mean. He scored twice. I don't know anything about him. Uh, he's not a big kid, um, and apparently, for what it's worth, it, his dad has some connections with uh, the, the the city of Brandon and the hockey team. So that might have had a role in him, you know, getting a chance to play as well. Um, I don't know if he's another Tavares or McDavid or Aaron Ekblad or Michael Misa. I none of us know, obviously, but I just think fourteen. I mean, at the very least. Give some 16, 17, and 18-year-old kids a chance who might be on the bubble as as opposed to bringing in kids that young. They're only they're only allowed, I think it's a window of five games that they can play before they have to be sent back down. Unless they turn 15 in that in that process, like that young fellow turned 15. So yeah. um, and it was like he went up at 14, and then two days later he turned 15. So there are some rules that don't really allow you to go in, go in as a 14-year-old early. And, and continue to play at that level. So, yeah, his size. When I first heard this, I, the the first thing I thought of was, was how big the kid is. And um, I checked, and he's five eight one sixty. Um, and uh, as you said, Lance, if he has a skill and uh, the rules are in place uh, that that have changed over the years a little bit, and uh, be a little more protective. Um, uh, I, I I think the kid, if he has the ability, he should be able to play at to go back down and and play AAA. Uh, you know, he he's going to be the you know the the big fish in the small pond kind of thing, and 
Um, if you have the ability to move up, I think that that helps him uh, in his development uh, as well. Um, and the only other thing I thought of, and, and Lance, you, you might, you'd know this maybe a little better. Um, I, I think, you know, that that overage 20-year-old uh, that, that's playing uh, in the O or, or playing in the CHL, um, I, I think those older kids, uh, they, they give a little respect, a little more respect to that 14 or 15-year-old that's coming into that league. And I'd be really surprised if one of those older kids would ever go after them. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and run them or, or, or whatever. And I, I think if they did, boy, oh boy, they, they, uh, they better be careful because there are going to be a lot of people coming after them pretty quickly. So I think those younger kids are protected both by the rules and, and the fact that, uh, as I say, I, I think there's some respect for those kids and, 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 and that his teammates, his teammates will certainly, uh, take care of them. So, um, but there's still, there's still a risk there, Gary, you're right. <clears throat> In the sense that some bigger players, <clears throat> could make some real headway with a young fellow like that with a body check or something like that could injure them. But there's also the, the side effect of a player playing at that level. I always go back to Glenn Goodall, and he played six years in that Western Hockey League and went nowhere. So there's no guarantee that a 14-year-old is going to make it. But more and more today with the first-round draft choices, they don't go to the minors anymore. They go straight into the National Hockey League. So, right. you know, these kids are usually pretty well been scouted to know if they can play or not. You know, I think that the – and the older kids do – because if they do hit them and something happens, they're going to get penalized pretty severely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just don't see the. I just don't see the rush. I mean, even Gretzky, who, who who it felt like he was playing junior hockey at a really young age, he was already sixteen when he had a cup of coffee with uh, Peterborough in around nineteen seventy seven, I think it was. Um, and he was sixteen, and this kid, albeit yeah, he's fifteen now, uh, but I mean. It, there's lots of kids out there, 17, 18 years old, who would be great players in the CHL. Give them a time to develop before you start, you know, bringing in kids sooner than they really need to be. Yeah, there's some rush there sometimes. It's not necessary. You know. All right, very good. Let's move on. This was a crazy weekend this past weekend as uh, mainstream and social media were going uh, a bit crazy over... Shohei Otani and uh, supposedly being in an airplane and on his way to Toronto, and it never happened. He did not sign with the Blue Jays, as we all know. He signed with the Dodgers, $700 million for 10 years. In the long run, though, and I know Jays fans are disappointed, I know. In the long run, over what would have been a 10-year contract, was him not going to Toronto a good thing for the Jays or a bad thing for the Jays? Gary, I think it's a good thing. Uh, I uh, I was as disappointed as anyone. I think that uh, you know it, 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 uh, the hype was was so loud, and and uh, you know we, we were looking for the kid to to, to come to Toronto and and uh, you know be our legitimate superstar. Um, but uh, the the, the seven hundred million, um, I think we can take that money or, or take a good part of that money if if we were you know if we were in that ballpark. Um, and we can fill out our roster with uh, with a number of good players, um, and, and probably have a better team in the long run uh, than what we would have had by just uh, by just adding uh, adding Otani. Um, and and the thing that that would would have concerned me the most, um, you know, in, in 2018, Otani had Tommy John surgery, 
just here in this this last off season, he's had elbow surgery. So for seven hundred million, uh, I think you're banking on him coming back and pitching, uh, not not just hitting third or fourth in the lineup. Um, and there, there's absolutely no guarantee that he's going to come back and be the same pitcher he was uh, before these surgeries. And, and uh, so it, it's a heck of a gamble. Um, can the Dodgers afford it? Of course they can. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, you know, Rogers could afford it here in, in Toronto too. But, uh, I think in the long run for the, for the ball club, we can go out now and we've got to make some decisions with some of our free agents, um, Merriweather and, uh, and Belt and, and Kiermaier, um, Chapman at third base. Um, you know, are we going to resign any of those kids? Or are we going to let them go? And if we let them go, who are we going to replace them with? And, and so we got to get out there in that free agent market and, and bring in some some kids who can play and, and augment the, the, the group that we've got. So I, I guess the, the answer for me is, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good thing that we missed out. Well, I, I think that the Otani thing, when it comes down to it, it's, it's like, you know, you look at the fact that he's going to be a designated hitter the whole year, basically. It's all about it's all about the money he's going to make off the field from endorsements for the teams and the commercialization of it for the teams and that that you know I, I don't know if the Jays were even really seriously in the running for this for Otani but I mean if he comes to to Toronto it's going to be about how much they can get for merchandising and and you know and all the all the commercial side of things for what they do for endorsing players I think some of the some of that was what these contracts are about these days is how much do they get in return for how much they'll make off it off, you know, in regards to, you know, marketing and all that. So for the Jays, I know, I, I don't know if getting him as just a designated hitter would help maybe bring some runs in because that's their biggest problem from the past uh, season is bringing in, in uh, uh, runners on base was terrible, but I think that they have the, the players there to do that. And I don't know if Otani would have made, that big a difference for the Toronto Blue Jays to go towards the World Series. Personally, I think it would just be about the money he can make for marketing. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing is, come opening day, he will be just a few months shy of 30 years old. If, if he were 23 or 24, a 10-year contract would be a different thing. But, I mean, he's going to be, you know, I hate to say it, over the hill Midway through this 10-year contract, 35, 36 years old, he's going to be, you know, still lots of time left on that contract. I think Dude. if the Jays, if the Jays had, had, had grabbed that contract um, and had signed him, uh, I, I can always guarantee that Toronto fans would be just screaming what a bad deal it was in about five years from now. And um, I, I, like you said, Gary, you're, you're, you just saved $700 million on Otani. Um, use that money on three or four other terrific players that can help put you over the top that uh, are, are going to help you a lot in the next two, three, four years. And uh, I, I think that's going to be money much better spent than uh, Otani would have been. Yeah, the, the, the time invested, unfortunately, and uh, you know, in this process and then not getting them, um, it cost us at an opportunity of a guy that I would have loved to have seen him get, and that's Soto that went went to the Yankees. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what he got, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't that kind of number that uh, that Otani did. Um, 
so we missed out on him. Um, but there's still some good kids out there. This Cody Bellinger uh, is somebody that uh, I know they're interested in and, and uh, had, a, had a big year again last year. And there's a kid in Miami, Solaire, third baseman, hit 36 home runs last year. And, and these kids are available. So um, I think we can get better, as I said a little bit earlier, uh, if we go out and, and sign some of these people and, and, and be much better off. And again, to the point, I think Soto is all of what? About maybe 23, 24 20, years 20, old. 20, 25, 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. Still, uh, yeah, there's st- still a lot more mileage left in him than Otani, for sure. Yeah. Does it seem like it's always the same teams that were always going for the big money players? It's always New York and LA, and then well, Toronto was, you know, sniffing around. But you don't hear from a lot of other teams in the league that are even. Like, you know, and they're the ones that win the World Series at the end of the day kind of thing. You know, you don't you don't hear about, you know, the Houston Astros or the Arizona Diamondbacks or anybody pitching big bucks at some of these players. So it's kind of interesting to me that the, if he was such a commodity, why were there not more teams involved in that whole process? It seems like there's only three teams. But Yeah. Uh, I mean, that whole Yankees, Dodgers, you know, buying winning teams debate has been going on forever and, and it'll be going on forever. Yeah. <laughs> Never changes. All right, guys, moving on. We're going to talk some football here and uh, unbeaten Florida state uh, was left out of the running for the 14 U S college football playoffs. Uh, New year's day is when uh, those playoffs begin. Florida state was 13 and Oh, they were undefeated. They didn't lose a game, but did the selection committee, make the right call by leaving out a perfect 13 and O team. And, and I'm going to say that, that they made the right call. I mean, I know Florida state people are unhappy. I, and I totally get it, but the bottom line is you want the four best teams in the playoffs and Florida state was not one of those teams given that they played in a weaker conference uh, given that their 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 best quarterback is hurt and is done for the year, um, their opponents this year, their thirteen opponents finished with a combined overall record of under five hundred. This was not this was not a real strong team. You could make a case for Liberty University that also went thirteen and zero. Liberty University isn't going to the playoffs either, and obviously shouldn't be. Florida State, yeah, it's an ACC school, but I I think that the the, the committee made the the right choice in going with Alabama. You've got four real good teams now: in Alabama against Michigan, Washington against Texas. Could have even made the argument that Georgia deserved to get in over Florida State or even Ohio State, given their strength of schedule. But I think that the committee made the right call. Sorry, Florida State, that's the way it is. You'll get in next year when they change the format and let 12 teams in. What do you think? I, I, I know how big an Alabama fan you are, so you, let's preface your, your remarks uh, with start with, with that. Um, <laughs> I think they made a mistake. Um, it's the first time ever that a, a, a team's won, an undefeated team's won the championship and not advanced. Um, their quarterback, a, a kid named Travis Jordan, uh, he got injured uh, 
with two two games remaining in the schedule. They were eleven and zero when he got hurt. Uh, so they went with uh, they went with their backup the last two games of the season. Um, game twelve, they went into Gainesville and beat their their arch rival Florida uh, with the backup. Uh, and then the champion ACC championship game against Louisville, uh, they beat Louisville. Uh, and that this was with their backup quarterback. And I've certainly heard the argument that uh, you know they to go forward with uh, you know anything less than their best, uh, they're not going to have much of an opportunity to win or be successful. Um, I, I think that they they would. Uh, I think they proved it the last two games of the season, and uh, I think they got uh, they got jobbed. I, I think they should be in the the final four, and and uh, that they should be playing Michigan and not the University of Alabama. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never, I'll never question anything that Gary talks about when it comes to football because I, I don't follow that college stuff much. But I was really rooting for the Colorado Buffaloes. I think Deion Sanders team left that they got robbed. They should have been, in, they should have been in that that uh, state yeah. championship somewhere with their four wins. <laughs> yeah, well, but look, look at, look at, look at the the fans and everything. They'll be coming to the games to see this team play. I mean, you, oh, yeah. you missed out on a great opportunity. But Gary, I'll leave it to you to tell me who should be in those, in those games. I guarantee you that. Okay. Hey, go ahead, Randy. You're over to you. First of all, I just wanted to say, Gary, that's that's a, a lovely crimson uh, jacket you're wearing. <laughs> I can't see the lettering on it, but to me, it looks like it could be an Alabama jacket. Yeah, it um, could be. But it I mean, come be. on! I mean, it, you you can't leave out. You cannot leave out an SEC team out of the out of the Final Four. You just can't, Gary. I mean, you got to admit that's your best conference in in college football to leave out every to leave out every team in the SEC. It would would be just a joke, and I mean, you want to have the best four teams in there, and you don't want to have a repeat of of uh, TCU who got into the championship game last year and lost something like sixty five to seven. You, you sure don't want a repeat of that, which could have very happened with Florida State. I mean, they could have gone up against Michigan and and just got throttled, and then everyone would have been going, "What a, what a joke college football is." Well, I. I, I don't think so. Their 13 wins tell you that they're not a joke. And, and uh, regardless, uh, you know, that, that uh, Division One football is pretty good regardless of what, uh, you know, what conference you're in. Um, and I just think that record alone uh, that, that they deserve to advance. And, and, and to use the, to, to use the, uh, the rationale uh, that they're, they didn't have their best quarterback and couldn't advance and be successful, I, I don't think it's fair. And uh, I think they should have been given an opportunity. And I, I don't care what happened last year. Uh, I, I would hope that wouldn't happen again. But uh, last year is, is you know, past. And uh, going forward, I, I think they should have got a chance. Here's the thing. Uh, Florida State's going to get a chance to play a real good team in Georgia, which you could argue also belonged in the, in the Final Four. And, uh, you know, well, well, we'll see how that game goes. There, there's talk that a lot of top uh, – NFL prospects are going to sit the game out, which I hope doesn't happen, but uh, I will wait and see. But roll tide, roll tide, Gary. Okay. Okay. All right, moving on. The Los Angeles Lakers won the NBA's first ever in-season tournament recently. LeBron James was the uh, MVP. He averaged 26-plus points in seven games. 
The question is, uh, does does winning an in-season tournament like this do anything to enhance LeBron's legacy? Does it give him an edge over, uh, uh, say, a Michael Jordan in the greatest of all time debate? What do you think, Gary? Well, I... Um... It's it's something that Michael doesn't have. It, it's probably the only thing Michael doesn't have. Um, so I, you know, I, I think it uh, it has to go on to on to uh, uh, LeBron's uh, resume. Um, help maybe you know to to a certain degree, um, but uh, but that, that that's a tough one. Um, you know, right right now to to, to say that uh, one is you know the goat. Um, over the other, I did. Boy, I, I, you know, the, the camps are pretty split on that. Uh, maybe, probably more Michael, uh, Michael people than than uh, than LeBron. But uh, um, you know, I LeBron. The, the thing about him, I think he's thirty eight years old, and and to watch him play now, uh, he's a long way from finished. Um, you know, he, he right now he, he's. A, scored the most points in, in, in NBA history. Um, and uh, who, who knows, you know, where he's going to end up. Uh, you know, championships are always looked at. And, and, and you know, and Michael, I think it's six to three for Michael. Um, MVPs, uh, you know, Michael leads in, in, in most of those uh, categories. Um, but, but who's to say, uh, you know, three or four years from now, if uh, – if LeBron continues to play and, and waits for his son Bronny, which he he, he said, uh, you know, he, he wants to one day play with him, um, and they just I, I just saw Bronny the other night making his his first start for USC. Um, so uh, you know that that's three or four years probably down the down the road, and and uh, so I, I I think it, it it's as I said it, it's it's something that that uh, that LeBron now has. Uh, that, that Michael doesn't, um, but I, I don't think it closes the gap that much. No, no, not not yet. I, I think he's got to do more, and uh, he probably will. He, he probably will. He's uh, he's an unbelievable talent, uh, and uh, um, good for him. Good for him because they've struggled the last couple of years, and to win that tournament, uh, you know, they they may go on this year and 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 take a real run at uh, at the whole thing. Well, LeBron's, I think his legacy is pretty well in place. I, I think I think he's done remarkable as a player in the NBA and, and and through the world. I think there's some there is some back some backlash on some things off the court that he's been with ball with his shoes and when he was you know having the made in China and stuff. But he is definitely one of the best basketball players we've ever seen on the planet, without a doubt. There are some players coming up that I see that are going to make a challenge for that. But the the debate between him and Michael Jordan. That will go on forever, just like the debate between Wayne Gretzky and Mary Lemieux will continue to go on forever. And after McDavid does his thing in the league, they'll debate whether McDavid was a better player than, than Gretzky was and all those types of things. And the thing that comes down to, they're different players. They play a different game. And they play tremendously well at a different game. Gretzky's game was different than Lemieux's game was. But they were both exceptionally gifted players, and they, and they set records, and they did – amazing things as players and so you're always going to have that debate whether LeBron or Michael Jordan is was a better was a better player or you know had more of an impact in in the in the game of basketball you've got Larry Bird in the mix once in a while in those conversations and I mean 
LeBron's legacy, I believe, is has already been established as one of the one of the best players ever played basketball in the NBA. He is one powerful man when he plays basketball, and he and he, he he's still playing at a high level right now, which is remarkable. Yeah, I I'll be honest, I didn't I didn't really know anything or much about this in season tournament at all. Yeah, uh, I didn't really follow it. I, to me, it was just sort of a, a, a tournament that was almost manufactured by the league to just create some interest in some early regular season games. Uh, it means really nothing to me that championship game didn't even count toward the standings. Uh, players all got uh, half a million for winning. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know that, that they really are going to put that on their resume. Maybe they will. I, I don't think it'll do anything to help um, LeBron's uh, legacy, which certainly won't hurt, but I don't think it'll help. Um, I saw a meme recently. It was interesting. We can talk about it in a future show sometime about the greatest NBA players. John Havlicek has almost a, a career. When you look at you know championships and MVPs and scoring titles and everything, John Havlicek almost has a career comparable to LeBron. So there's all kinds of names you could throw out there. Well, it's interesting that that in-season tournament, the final was played in Las Vegas. <laughs> Does that tell you something? Yeah. What that was all about in some ways? I just say that, uh, you know, it was kind of something that they wanted to try to put. I was, you know, listening about the fact that it was, they're trying to get some interest into, you know, generate some some kind of uh, marketing within that in-season tournament and, you know, do something different. But the fact that they played the final in Las Vegas told me a lot. Yeah. Well, I, I think that... Uh... As far as the, the tournament itself, um, it, it's similar to, the, I think, where they got the idea. Is it, they do it in Great Britain in soccer. And I think it's called the FA Cup. And it's big. It, it's really big over there. Um, it, it, it was a gamble uh, that the commissioner uh, uh, said he, want, he wanted to try this. Um, I, I think initially there was a lot of skepticism uh, from people from the outside and from players alike. Um, but as the thing went along, uh, these games, the, um, the players really took to them and, and, and they competed hard. Uh, this wasn't a, you know, a game 23 uh, of a schedule of 82 games where, you know, I would, you know, we play hard uh, the last three or four minutes of the game. And, and we, th th this was more like a, a, play, a real genuine, genuine playoff game. And they played hard in these games. And as it went further along, I, um, I, I think they, they really embraced this thing. Um, and and uh, the semifinals, uh, I, I watched them. Boy, they, 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 they went at it. Um, and the same in the final. And, and the, you know, there was a, I guess the, the winning teams got $500,000 a piece. Uh, for those kids, I, I don't know how much. But that's pocket money probably for yeah. for some of those guys. Um so I, I don't think it was necessarily the you know the the monetary gain if if you win it I, I think it was a competition they took to the thing and and uh, and I think it will continue to to grow and it'll become more important uh, you know now that we've seen it once uh, I think next year there'll be more excitement for it so I think it was a good thing yeah well I mean for what it's worth it it, it has been called a, a, a rousing success is I think uh, the one. The one uh, quote I saw. So that good for the league. I mean, it's never a bad thing to have uh, something that's you know successful 
happened to it. So, no, they they took a gamble, and they took a gamble. I think that it, it you know it could have fallen on its face, but it it didn't. And uh, so, so you're right. I I think it is good for them. Yeah. All right. Well, Lance mentioned the the Las Vegas uh, angle to that tournament, which is actually a perfect segue into our final topic here. Um, and it has to do with sports betting, which uh, seems to be uh, something that dominates broadcast coverage of pro sports these days. Uh, sometimes, in my opinion, it often overshadows who wins and loses the game. But uh, the question is, does the uh, sports betting good or bad for sports? Lance? Well, I mean, you have to define whether it's hurt, hurting if it's you know, hurting the sport or not, but I don't believe it's hurting the sports. Betting isn't hurting pro sports. It's hurting the people that are betting on pro sports. Yeah, I think there's some some situations there for some people that don't, you know, that have had, you know, problems with addiction to betting and that. And I think the advertising that they do, they've they've taken away the they've they've had some uh, law now that you can't have celebrities do these commercials in certain I think in on some certain places and areas. Trying to you know curb a little bit of that uh, pull for people that want to bet and get involved in betting by uh, sports celebrities. The fact that you got to watch a hockey game in the middle of the game, you see a thing pop up and say next goal. If you bet on it for a to either team, you get you make money off the bet or whatever, right? The biggest thing for me is that the uh, the uh, the betting is. I think I think it's not. It's something that people are doing in regards to you know, exciting for the game and watching the game, it brings more attention to making bets during the game. But I, I don't know if it's up in the sport or not, really. I, I think it's a, it's a hor- as you mentioned, Lance, it, it, it's a horrible temptation uh, and, and, and can become an addiction. It, it, it's like other addictions. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if we need it. It's too easy. It, it's right there, right on your phone, as you, as you said, as you're watching the game. I'm going to bet on, uh, you know, how, how many shots uh, uh, somebody's going to have during the course of the game, or uh, yeah. you know, it's it's nuts. I uh, and plus it's annoying to me. I I, I just uh, because I'm not interested in it. Uh, I, I don't want to see that stuff. I don't want to talk about. I, I'd I'd rather talk about the game and the players and like we used to. I, this is something yeah. come in and it's new and uh, I I just uh, I just don't care for it. Uh, doesn't mean I don't like to to, to to bet a little bit. I I love to go to, to a casino and spend an evening at a casino, or go to the racetrack, or um, that that's fun to me. But um, this kind of betting, I, I I'm just not interested. Yeah. Um, and as I say, I, I worry about uh, you know what it's going to do to to some people that uh, you know it, it's too easy, too too much of a temptation. Um, the other thing I, in in terms of temptation that that you know, could, could arise. Um, and, and I think Pete Rose is going to be a, a topic for us here in the, in the coming weeks is, uh, you know, does it lend itself to, because it's so easy, um, you know, we, we certainly wouldn't want another, uh, occasion or another instance of, of betting within, uh, within pro sport and, and the players get involved and players are betting and, um, so it, it uh, to me, it's too easy, and I, I don't think it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't like it when it, it it detracts from the game itself on the broadcast. And uh, I don't. Maybe we even saw the same game, Gary. But I was watching a Leafs game recently, and early in the third, 
the the play-by-play announcer and the color guy were talking about uh, Nylander and uh, how his over-under sh- sh- shots on goal for that game was two and a half, and he only had one early in the third period, and was he going to cover? And I'm going, who cares? I mean, they're playing a close hockey game against Detroit. Who cares if Nylander gets another couple of shots on goal? I'm only interested in who wins this game. So that's the kind of stuff that drives me a little bit crazy. I I don't understand a lot of it. I'll admit I, I see, you know, numbers come up on the screen like plus 1200 or plus 1500. I don't even know what that means. Um, I get over-unders, obviously. I get point spreads. Um, but once you get into the real the real detailed stuff, I, it's it's ancient Hebrew to me. I I just don't get it. Um, that said, I mean I'm I'm with both of you guys. You know I I love participating in NFL pools where you know we're picking winners and losers and things like that. But uh, when it gets into the broadcast a little bit too heavily, it, it drives me kind of crazy. Well, I I don't bet because I don't like to lose money, so it doesn't really bother me. But the biggest thing about it is that I know people who've had those problems. I know that they beat those problems, and now they have this to look at on TV just to watch a game, and they want to watch the game. But if they watch the game, there's that temptation. And that's the problem we have is that some that have gone on and you know worked to get away from it, no matter where they go now, and, they, and they're people that love sports, they can't get away from it watching sports now, and, and that sometimes causes them to to falter in their process of trying to, you know, get away from being addicted to gambling. And I, you know, I've had people I know that are close that it's it's a tough thing to see. And I, I don't think they realize the impact it can have on a family and, 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 and people and individuals. Lance, I, the, the one thing I'd say is, is uh, you're, you're certainly not alone in, uh, in not liking to lose money. Um, our, our, our friend here, uh, Randy, um, is known to be a, a little bit close to the dollar, and uh, I, I think he'd be uh, he'd be, uh, have a similar view as you do in, in that regard. You know what's funny? I, I I found a pair of jeans recently that had a hole in the pocket, and uh, that would explain where all of my loose change went. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right, guys, listen, we're going to wrap this up. This has been great. We are pretty much out of time here. Uh, Oh, one thing I did want to mention. Uh, We've got an email address. Uh, If you want to uh, get in touch with us regarding anything about this show, what do you know about sports? And we we got an email. This is going back to a topic a couple of weeks ago. It reads, Personally, I think I Candy Randy is a perfect name for Steinman. Just like too much candy, too much Randy gives me a headache and makes my stomach hurt. Cheryl, Cheryl wrote that, right? She sent it in. That's from that's from uh, a viewer named Tim, and uh, I think <laughs> I know Tim, so I'm not going to take it too personally. But I see where you're coming from, Tim. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that said, if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, please reach out to us at the email address that uh, you see there on the screen. So, and and, and please please subscribe, please subscribe to, to to what what do you know about sports and 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 share it if if you enjoy it, please share. Uh, we we'd, we'd love to love to hear from you people that uh, that have watched thus far and and uh, 
um, we, we hope to continue this because it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, this is fun. All right. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday. Okay, Rand. Yeah.